Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today we are doing another new car special, but today... We are diving into a car that came out semi-recently and has stirred up a bit of controversy. There's been a few cars like that as of late, so you may know what it is, you may not know what it is. But we are talking about the 2022 Subaru WRX. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about that. It gets just three more horsepower, but first ever adaptive suspension option. I'm very disappointed by the lack of more power, or lack of more horsepower than just three. Like, that's a bit lame, but I digress. Subaru's legendary WRX is back. Expected to cost around $30,000 when it lands in U.S. showrooms in early 2022, the rally-inspired sedan moves to the same Subaru global platform as cars like the Outback and away from the Impreza line, but is far more performance-focused than either. Power comes from a 2.4-liter turbocharged four-cylinder boxer engine, so still not a boxer, that churns out 271 horsepower and 258 pound-feet of torque. Those numbers mean it only has three more horsepower than last year's two-liter car, and much less punchy than the 300 horsepower some had hoped for. Yeah, because that's what you get in the STI, so... <coughs> Pain. Since Subaru hasn't released any performance numbers, we'll have to wait to see whether new beats old against the clock. No prizes for guessing that the boxer's energy is delivered to all four wheels in true Subaru tradition, either. The Subaru symmetrical all-wheel drive features active torque vectoring, that's nice, and sends power to the road through a choice of a six-speed manual transmission, yes, or a revised version of Subaru CVT that can be shifted manually through eight fixed ratios. The two-pedal transmission is claimed. What do you mean two-pedal? Transmission is claimed to move 30% faster on upshifts and 50% faster on downshifts. Oh, because the CVT gotcha. And comes as standard on the upscale WRX GT, which is also equipped with electronically controlled adaptive dampers. A first for a WRX. Was that the case on the STI though? Because that it almost sounds like a first for a performance Subaru to me. WRX GT, the gentleman's Subaru Hoonmobile. As well as allowing drivers to select comfort, normal, and sports suspension settings, the GT brings eight-way powered Recaro seats upholstered in ultra suede, decent name, with contrasting red stitching, Subaru's eyesight safety package, actually standard on automatic base cars too, and rides on 18-inch wheels instead of the stock WRX's 17s. If the power figures mentioned earlier suggest the new WRX won't perform any differently to last year's car, at least you can't accuse them of looking too much alike, for better or worse. The switch to the new platform brings a much wider look to the WRX, which gets narrow, claw-shaped LED headlights and a broader hood scoop. The front fenders are made from aluminum, saving 5 pounds or 2.3 kilograms from the curb weight, while rugged arch spats give it a curiously crossover-like vibe. Basically, they have stupid plastic cladding around the wheel arches. I would say the lower front bumper as well, but that, that's kind of standard for a lot of performance cars. Not the plastic the cladding part, but the the black the, the black color around the lower fascia. That's that's nothing that's nothing unusual for a performance car. But again, the black the plastic black clouding that clouding? Cladding that goes around the wheel arches. Very crossover-like, very Subaru XV Crosstrek like. And I, I have a great disdain for it because it's like it's not a crossover, it's a WRX. Now, if they're trying to tie into the rally heritage, then okay, kind of makes sense. But then at that point, I'd I have to say, the, do you need the black cladding? No, you don't. Rally cars don't use black cladding because it's useless and as weight. So why does the WRX need it? 
it doesn't. That aside though, I digress. Subaru says those trims, the sill panels, and the engine under tray are finished with a texture that reduces air resistance. Moving to the rear, you'll have to hit the aftermarket up if you want a high-rise wing. Makes sense, because most WRXs never have a very big wing. That's the STI. As stock of WRX makes... Actually, I think you could get the high-rise wing as an option, but it, it was not stock, at the very least. As stock, the WRX makes do with a low-profile body color spoiler. The rear taillights, which are designed to look reminiscent of volcanic magma... I can't see it. Should draw a few comments, however, but don't be surprised if most of them will be about how much they look like the new Civics. Yeah. Moving to the interior, there's plenty going on to make an Outback or Ascent driver feel at home. Specifically, the large 11.6-inch portrait Starlink, which means it's vertically oriented. That's what portrait means. Starlink touchscreen in the center console that we're pleased to see retains physical controls or redundant controls for things like volume and cabin temperature. But a flat, bottom, a flat bottom sports steering wheel and aluminum panel trims signal the WRX's sporting intent. We'll likely have to wait until 2022 to get behind the wheel and find ourselves and find out for ourselves how the WRX drives. Well, no, it seems like a few people have been, uh, a few publications, a few outlets have actually got their hands on it. Road and Track just did a review. Now, if Car Scoops means them, then yes, but no, Road and Track has a review of the new WRX out right now. Moving on though, but the omens are good. Subaru says the new body structure has a lower center of gravity, delivers 28% more torsional rigidity, and features suspension mounting points that are 75% more rigid than before. You'll love to see it. Plus, there's a new twin pinion, twin pinion? Okay. Electric steering system that's claimed to offer more natural steering feel. We'll have to see if it works. Do you think Subaru has done enough to differentiate the WRX from last year's model? And now, we know how the, and now that we know how the base car looks, what do you want from the STI version that's still to come? Leave us a comment and let us know. But before we get into the looks though, we actually have some news about the new WRX in Japan though. Subaru unveils WRX S4 in Japan with STI Sport R flagship trim level. After a long teaser campaign, Subaru has officially unveiled the WRX S4 for the Japanese market, which is actually not that different from the US spec Subaru WRX that was unveiled in September. Visually, the WRX S4 can be distinguished by different taillight graphics, no reflectors, the S4 badge on the tailgate, and the red STI badges on the grille and tailgate of the STI Sport R trim levels. The Japanese specification also gets a rear wiper despite being a four-door sedan. Why don't we get that? Why don't we get that in the US? That's, that's so unfair! Other than those minor details, the WRX S4 looks identical to the US spec WRX, keeping the unpainted plastic cladding on the fenders, bumpers, and side sills for a crossover and rally-inspired look. The car is available in a variety of new colors, including the Solar Orange Pearl, Sapphire Blue Pearl, Ignition Red, and Ceramic White. The WRX S4 is available in four trim levels, GTH, GTHEX, those are, that's a kind of a clunky name, STI Sport R and STI Sport REX, a mouthful. Inside, the STI badge variants get Recaro front seats upholstered in ultra suede, patches of leather all around the cabin with red stitching, trim pieces with carbon with carbon look, okay, and aluminum pedals. In terms of technology, the STI trim gets an 11.6-inch touchscreen for the Starlink infotainment and a new 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster, which is unique to the Japanese market. GTH trims have a significantly smaller screen for climate control and an analog instrument cluster. Equipment also includes the latest iSight X driving assistance tech with an array of sensors plus a driver-facing camera a driver-facing camera located on the center console. The WRX S4 is based on the Subaru Global, Global, I was about to say Global for some reason, is based on the Subaru Global platform with a sporty setup for the chassis and the suspension, bringing added rigidity. 
According to Subaru, the car weighs 1,600 kilograms or 3,527 pounds. Not bad, which makes it heavier than its predecessor. Oh dear. So that extra three horsepower is not going to mean anything. Under the hood, the turbocharged 2.4-liter four-cylinder boxer produces 271 horsepower or 202 kilowatts or 275 PS and 375 newton meters or 276.6. They actually went that specific uh, pound-feet of torque, which is 25 newton meters or 18.4 pound-feet more than the U.S. spec. Huh? How did they do that? <laughs> Unlike the latter that is also available with the 6-speed manual, the JDM spec is offered exclusively with a CVT transmission that comes with a virtual 8-speed a virtual manual mode. How do you have a virtual 8-speed? How do you have a virtual transmission? <laughs> that makes no sense. All variants are equipped with Subaru Symmetrical all-wheel drive featuring active torque vectoring. Additionally, the okay, most of this is the same. The Subaru WRX S4 is already available to order on the Japanese market with prices starting from... Four four million four thousand is it is it yen in Japan? I believe it's yen. So four million four thousand yen, or thirty four thousand seven hundred and ten dollars for the base GTH, and all the way up to four million seven hundred and seventy four thousand yen, or forty one thousand three hundred eighty five dollars for the flagship STI REX or Sport REX. Subaru plans on manufacturing five hundred units of the WRX S four per month for the first year of production. All right. All of that out of the way. What do I think of the looks? I like the face. I like the lower black front fascia. It makes it a little bit sportier. I mean, while I do like it, and quite a lot actually, I do like it quite a bit, I feel like I'm going to miss being able to see the entire the entirety of the face on the WRX, the entire kind of frowning face. Maybe maybe it's just me, you know, brighter colors that'll make it a little bit more obvious, but in my opinion, with that lower black fascia, like the side vents, the whole the whole lower black fascia. So you have the central vent where the frowning mouth is, and then the side vents. I would have preferred if they separated the side vents and made them black, and then had the lower fascia be body color. And in white, you can see it in dark colors. If it was body color, then it wouldn't matter. But I don't know. To me, it's hard to put my finger on what what my grievance is here. Let me see if I can find a different photo. Maybe it'll come to me there. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's it's almost just too mature. It's too restrained to me. I like the, I like the eyes. I like the upper grill, and I like the hood scoop. So it's very on that basis. It is absolutely textbook Subaru WRX. So I think most fans will be fine with it. I'm just a little bit sad. I, I'm personally just a little bit sad because, like I said, it's it's very restrained. You know the Subaru Lavorg, and I think once it got its facelift, the new WRX is kind of like that, and that's what I mean. It's just. It's just a bit too mature. It's kind of taking itself just a, a tad, maybe a tad too seriously. It's it's just not fun enough. Like the the prior generation WRX STI, to me, its face had a little bit more emotion. It was it it was looking at you more distinctly than this one is. This one just has a a general non-specific angry face. That's kind of what it has. Whereas the last W the well not not the Hawkeye the Eagle was it the Eagle Eye? I don't think it was the Eagle. I'm forgetting my I'm forgetting my slang names for the WRX, but basically, let me look it up for a second. Okay, I got it, Evo Eye. The last one, the Evo Eye generation, again, it looked like it was looking at you. It was very specifically mad at you, or whatever it was looking at down the road. This one, again, is just, it's just generally mad. It's generally displeased, but not at anything in specific. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't really look like it's looking at you specifically. It's just looking at something 
and I'm not I'm not quite I'm not quite a fan of that. At, at the very least, I certainly don't prefer it over the Evo Eye. But that isn't to say it looks bad. I do like it on the whole. It's just not it's not something I prefer. It's not a design choice. I absolutely prefer. Well, okay, I've just seen it. I've just seen a photo where they actually have the main the main headlight part does look like it's looking at you. It's just in the press photos, it's so dark you can't see it. Yeah, it seems like most of the time you're not going to be able to see it either. So again, a, a generally nondescript displeased face. So not my preference, but it does look good. Let's see if we can find the silhouette here. Uh, where's the silhouette photo? That's close, but not quite. A lot of it's just like front or back three quarters or some detail shots. Okay. From the side, it is generally fairly... It, it's funny because they say, okay, it's not based on the Impreza. It's not based on the Impreza, and it doesn't share body panels with the Impreza, yet it still looks like it could be an Impreza. It, it still looks like a hopped-up Impreza, ultimately. Like, if they took away the widened body panels and then changed the doors and a few things here and there, it, it'd be an Impreza. Just straight up. So, for those of you that are worried whether that are worried that the new WRX3 is too far away from the Impreza line because you like the way that looks and a beefed-up Impreza looks amazing, it, it might not share any body panels any body panels with an Impreza. It may not be based on the Impreza either, but it still looks like it could be one. It's not as bespoke as Subaru's making it out to be, at least not to me. The only thing I the only thing I dislike about the silhouette though, and it's not that it it's not that it looks like a crossover, because it doesn't. The only thing that really makes it look like a crossover is maybe the ride height, maybe the height of the roof, but even that's pushing it, but certainly the cladding. That's the only thing that makes it look like a crossover, but no, 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 no. Doesn't look like a crossover, just maybe a tall sedan. What I don't like is the front overhang. It's got a foot of front overhang. It's, ugh, I've, I've just got a thing about overhang when it comes to cars. A, the overhang needs to be balanced. You can't have a bunch of front overhang and then no rear overhang. That's disgusting. More rear overhang is better. It, more rear overhang with little front overhang is better, but I still don't like that. I want it to be even. I want the car to have even even overhang front to rear to be visually balanced okay that's what i like and while this car is visually balanced as far as i can tell that it is just too much at the front <laughs> it's like do you need that much face it's it's it almost looks stretched to me it almost looks like subaru stretched the face for the sake of straight of stretching it stretching it geez for the sake of stretching it and it, it looks unnecessary it just looks excessive way too excessive and something else i'm noticing is that the a pillar Sits very sit. It sits suspiciously far back behind the front axle. It it it's not as if they were trying to emulate the Kia Stinger and make it look like a front engine rear wheel drive car. You know, even sedan with those kinds of proportions or with that kind of proportion. But it it does get a little close to that. It does get a little close to trying to emulate the proportions of a front engine rear wheel drive sports sedan. Say. A Kia Stinger, an Alfa Romeo Giulia, a BMW M3, or sorry, well, yeah, the M3, and the like. It does get a little bit close to that, and I'm, and that I guess aids, it aids to how long the front looks because the A pillar is so far back. Yeah, that that the A pillar being that far back definitely aids in my issue of of the front end looking just stretched, and but too much, far too. Well, I guess if it's stretched, then it never, it can't really be a good thing, can it? But then again, I'll have to get into that tangent another time. But yeah, the silhouette's okay. Standard Subaru, 
pretty much standard Impreza. I just don't like how stretched the front end looks. It's a little bit too long. It almost looks like Subaru tried to emulate a rear-wheel drive, sports sedan proportion, so that long hood, the A-pillar being back a little bit further, and it's it, to me, it's weird on a WRX, on a WRX model. And then the overhang exacerbates the issue. If we move to the back, though, the taillights definitely look like they came off a Honda product. They absolutely look like they came off a Honda product. They're very, and more so the Civic. It's it's not like they they ripped the Civic taillights and put it and put it on the WRX. It just looks like they saw Civic taillights. And they're like, yeah, we can redesign this and modernize it, but barely. That's what's happened here, and it's unfortunate to me. It's very unfortunate that it looks like a Honda at the back rather than at the back rather than a Subaru. And something else I don't really like is the cheekbones on the rear bumper. They've got this weird character line that goes up diagonally and it sits below the taillights. And then and then the bumper the just below the taillights. So you have you know like when people smile, when some people smile and they have that that outline of their cheek like that goes away from the nose. So the taillights have that where it's just below and it comes up and so it separates like the rest of the rear fender surface from the bumper surface because the bumper starts to starts to pull out again starts to stick out and it's just a mess to put it to put this all concisely it's just a mess at the rear it's a bit overstyled it could have been a bit cleaner it could have been a bit cleaner hell if if they just gave that surface below the taillights a little bit more room to breathe and maybe flattened it out rather than have it come at an angle so it's like wrapping wrapping around the the bulge of the bumper that would have been better but yeah it, it's the rear end is just trying a little bit too hard to be dynamic to put it simply it's, it's trying a little bit too hard to be dynamic the black cladding on the rear is a bit too much as well and you know because i was saying they need to give that that section of body below the taillights some room to breathe because it looks squished it's almost like origami at the back well, the problem is they've raised the black cladding on the rear bumper so much that it doesn't have much room to breathe. So what they should have done is increase how much body color is in the rear bumper and lower the amount of black cladding. So again, it would have more room to breathe because it all it's it's squished, it's squished, it's trying too hard, it's too much origami. It's just it's got way too much going on. It's not a clean design. It's it's busy. It's a very busy looking rear end. Low, just lower that black cladding by about six in, roughly six, six inches, roughly six inches. Get rid of the diagonal, of the diagonal orientation of the surface below the taillights, and that'll be much better. That would be a enormous fix. Like from the side, I'm actually seeing from the side that diagonal portion looks great. It's cool. It adds. It adds some. Athleticism really to the rear, but from the back, it's just messy. It's very messy. So let's go to the interior. We've talked about the exterior poorly more than enough. The interior. I saw a shot of it earlier when I was reading the article, and it it seems pretty standard Subaru. What I don't like about it is that it's all black with a little bit of red stitching here and there. It's from a color standpoint, it's a very boring interior. It's a very dull, almost almost gloomy, but it, it has a lot of light in it, so it's not gloomy, but it's just almost depressing to me. There's not, it's not special enough, especially, especially when you consider the fact that this is now 
technically no longer an Impreza. Subaru should have been, I think, a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more daring with the interior, make it a bit more special. It's just boring. It's just black everywhere. That, that could be a bit better. Now, something interesting I've noticed is that Subaru, now, of course, considering the touchscreen is 11.6 inches, more likely than not, they had no choice but to go with vertical air vents. But what's funny is that it looks very Volvo-like. Very Volvo-like, because they've got that slim, slim, they've got that slim, that's what I was trying to say, they've got that slim rectangular, rectangular, oh god, I'm forgetting the word, but but basically they've got that very thin rectangular, rectangular director for the air in the middle of it. And it just looks, outside of it looking way less luxurious than a Volvo, it looks, it looks like a Volvo air vent. Once you see it, you will not be able to unsee it. It looks like a Volvo air vent. It's got the exact same thin rectangular di- director and, this, and the circular knob in the middle of it to help turn it and turn it off and do all those functions. It, oh, like, did they see a Volvo and they were like, yeah, we'll just copy that straight up. No one's going to care. It's an air vent. I, you'll never be able to unsee it. Never be able to unsee it. It's not bad. It, it's just, actually, it is bad because it, it looks very cheap, actually. <laughs> But yeah, so the, the I have to say the entire interior is just a is this maybe a five point eight out of ten, maybe a six out of ten at best. The design is okay. The materials look to be okay, but on the whole, it is pretty boring. It is a pretty dull interior, even with an eleven point six inch touchscreen. It's not that to me. It's just not that visually appeal, visually appealing, at least from a front on shot from like a Peering, peering towards the dash from the back seat or maybe from the passenger seat. Certainly in this lighting, it's better. It is better. Oh, and that one's actually, uh, that's an automatic model. <laughs> that's interesting. But yeah, airbag cover. Again, one of those really minor things that I'm, I'm incredibly fastidious about. I don't like it. And it's, it's not because it's big. It's actually not big. It's because it sticks out from the rest of the steering wheel. Like a button. It looks like a massive button. I'd rather it be nearly flash. Uh, not flash. Uh, flush. Nearly flush with the surface of the spokes. And it's not. It sticks out like a good inch and a half from the spokes on the rest of the steering wheel. So it, it, it looks bulbous. And I, I really don't like it. It's circular and the radius is fine. It just it needs to be flush or near flush with the rest of the steering wheel. And it's not. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Rear seats look okay. They're not, there's, not much, there's not much intrigue in this interior. It's pretty boring, just all the way around. I'm not sure what the rear leg room is looking like, though. In the photo, it might just be the, the angle, but it's... Uh, I'd be a little worried. But again, I, I think it's just that photo. It's just a really bad angle for it. Ooh, they've got a blue one as well. A great blue for the car, too. Yet, you know... I think this car is going to get a 6.9, a 6.9 out of 10. It's not bad. It's just, on the whole, pretty underwhelming to me. It only has three more horsepower. It weighs a little bit more than the last car. The interior is, I think, is certainly an improvement from the last car, but it's a bit below par compared to most other cars in the segment. And there's not, the, there's not a lot of cars in the segment. In, in the WRX's segment, I mean, you know, the road-going rally car, but for a sedan of this type, a, a VW Golf R has a better interior. A VW Golf GTI 
has a better interior. And that and that's what I mean. It's just other comparable, other comparable sports cars of the or performance cars of this type. I think they're just overall a more interesting package. Maybe not from the exterior, but definitely from the interior. So yeah, 6.9 out of 10. They didn't they didn't ruin it. The black plastic cladding is a questionable, a very questionable design choice. The taillights look way too much like one you just rip off a Honda Civic. And the interior is just kind of dull. It's there's not outside of the face and the cladding, there's not much to write home about on the new WRX. It's just eh. Though maybe the active steering, and once more reviews come in, maybe dynamically there'll be something to write home about. But visually and on the spec sheet, outside of outside of the active suspension, not much to write home about. Not, not much to me that makes it genuinely special. Not like a Focus RS. Not like even a Fiesta ST. Not like a new VW Golf GTI. Not like a, not even like a new Golf R. It's just kind of eh. It's an option, but to me, it doesn't necessarily stand out. What do you guys think of the new G, uh, G? Wow, of the new WRX. I've been saying GTI too much in golf and whatnot. But yeah, what do you think of the new WRX? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Somewhere in between. What are you a fan of? What are you not a fan of? Let me know in the comments below. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell. Then all notifications that you're notified every time I upload. I will see you all next time. Before we end, I want to inform you all that you can now monetarily support this podcast and indeed the entirety of Cody's Car Conundrum with Kofi. Uh, well, it might be coffee, but it's spelled K-O-F-I, and that's weird, so I say it Kofi. In any case, Kofi is an alternative to Patreon where, beautifully and as God intended, you, the supporters, don't have to pay a fee, like on Patreon, to support my work. So if you like what I do and want to see me cover, slash talk about, slash make a video regarding something specific, or want me to branch out into other areas of car culture, then head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum, where you can make a minimum donation of $5 towards me and the brand. In return, you'll be helping me afford new equipment, afford upgrades to my existing tools, you'll receive polls asking what topic you want me to dive into next, you'll get to see voted and non-voted content before public release, various forms of recognition for your support, and the ability to vote on merch designs you'd like to see on the Teespring store. And now it's time to close. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.